to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 with me. And as you go there, last week we dealt with a little bit about our culture and what's happening with the drug world and how much I, I honestly believe that drugs are a uh, gateway to demonic possession and control. I also think there's another thing that works very much in that, and that is in the realm of the sexual that we see so prominent within our society anymore. A couple of years ago, probably three maybe, we had a big sting operation in Spokane where they gathered up officers from a bunch of different agencies. I was involved in that. We went and busted a whole bunch of massage parlors around Spokane who were not just giving massages. And, and it came out in the newspaper a list of all the people that were on their registry. That was interesting for a lot of people. I got a little bit of satisfaction because I had just gone through a full trial with a very nasty, mean defense attorney, and his name was on the list. So I got a little bit of satisfaction out of it. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Uh, uh, what, about a year, year and a half, two years ago, the whole Ashley Madison thing came around, and a lot of people, a lot of wives were heartbroken to find their husbands' names on those lists. Um, just recently, I think about a, a police officer friend of mine who was texting probably inappropriately with a, another particular young lady. Well, that young lady's boyfriend found her phone. And so he starts texting the police officer about, hey, what time do you get off work? And how about stopping by after you get off? He did. That wasn't pretty. When he shows up at this young lady's house at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, boyfriend was waiting and it wasn't real pretty. And, of course, he forwarded all those texts to his wife, the police officer's wife. This stuff is happening all around us. And I believe very much like drugs, I think that sex can be an avenue for demonic control. It's a wonderful and it's a beautiful thing that God created. But just like everything that God creates and makes beautiful, Satan will make evil. He will twist it and destroy it and make it mean something that it's not supposed to mean. And I want to read Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him and follow His example, is what that means. As well-beloved children imitate their Father. Let's stop there a moment and pray. Father, I ask that You'll direct what we do during this time. Speak to each one of us, for this is something that not one of us is exempt from temptation. Not one of us is above it. God, I pray for each one of us to understand that You are in control and that you are the, the master. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts right out by saying, be imitators, be copiers of me, of God. Follow God. Uh, they say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. With God, it truly is. He is flattered by our imitation of Him. That's His desire. We are His children. And all of you know, you know, you take some farmer out there, and I, and I often think of 
times I've seen that in the past where you have a farmer and he's on his horse or he's doing on his quad or wherever he's at and he's got his cowboy hat and his cowboy boots on and he's got you know a big piece of grass sticking out of the side of his mouth and right beside him is a five-year-old who's got the hat on and the boots on and the straw hanging out of his mouth just like daddy because he wants to be like dad. Little girls grow up, they watch mama put on their makeup and they put on their earrings and their necklaces and all that. And what does that little girl want to do? She wants to get in her mama's stuff and do the same thing. They're little sponges. They absorb everything that we show them. They want to be just like daddy and just like mommy. That's what God expects from us. We want, he wants us to behave as he does, as, as he shows an example to us. Verse 2, it says, and walk in love. And that means esteeming and delighting in one another. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you so that it becomes a sweet fragrance. Now, there is probably not one word in the English language that has been more twisted, contorted, and messed up than the word love. If you turn on your television set and watch The Voice or whatever, Dancing with the Stars or American Idol or whatever, those judges are sitting there and somebody comes in to sing or or do their thing, whatever they do, and they sing and invariably one of the judges will say what? I love you. They literally met him 30 seconds ago. (laughs) And they love them. I love you. And America loves you. And they go on that standard of, of love. They use that word so loosely today. It means almost anything. We look at our items, our possessions, and we say, I love that. And love has lost the depth of meaning because we use it so freely with no real meaning behind it. It doesn't have the standard, but God has a standard of love. You know the funny thing about love? It doesn't get turned on and turned off. I was on patrol one night and my wife called me. And she said, Honey, your mom has been arrested. And I said, Okay. And she said, She got arrested for DUI. I said, All right. Okay. Well, you need to go get her out of jail. I said, No, I don't. You do. It's your mom. You need to go get her out of jail. No, I really don't. She said, this is your mother. Are you just going to leave her in jail? I said, yeah, that's fine. But wives, being as persuasive as they can be, she talked me into it. So I went down there and I walk in. My mom was standing up at the desk with the, the officer and And I walk in and she looks at me and she says, Oh, there's my son. I love him. She runs up, gives me a big hug. I love you so much, son. You are so wonderful. Thank you for coming to get me. We walk out the door and the door shuts and she starts saying, I hate you. I wish I'd have never given birth to you. I wish my real son would have come and got me. I said, believe me, I wish your real son would have come and got you. That quick. Love, hate, bam, flip of the switch. It doesn't work like that. Either she loves me or she hates me, and I'm pretty sure she didn't love me. Love is not an emotional flip of a switch. It's not a thing that you feel one moment. You look at that girl on the street and you say, oh, I'm in love. That's not love. There's a different word for that. 
It's not love. It's, it may be passion, it may be lust, but it's not love. Love is a deep-meaning, deep-rooted thing that, that goes beyond an emotional experience. 1 Corinthians 13, you all know the passage. In verse 4, it says, Charity love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. You notice the underlying uh, message there? Everything was about the other person, not me. Our culture has turned love into me. What I get out of this situation, out of this relationship, if it's something that pleases me, and television has pushed this thing to such a degree. Television is probably the main culprit in, in turning love into an emotional thing. Under something that you get. It's all about what you get. If he's not meeting your needs. If he's not giving you what you want. If he's not doing what you say. you know, And it all becomes about me. But God's love is about the other person. And I can't think of anything more horrifying. More nasty, terrible destructive thing to do to anybody than to be unfaithful to them. What an awful, horrible thing to put somebody through that you claim to love. Back in the text in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, But immorality, and the Amplified uses the word sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living, or greediness, must not be named among you as is fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. You know how bad God hates sin? Not a little bit. God hates sin with every fiber of His being. And that's a big being. You know why He hates it that way? Because it's counter to His very being. It is counter to the very character of God. He despises it. And he goes so far as to say that you don't even talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's not okay. Remember back in the days when they could have a comedy on TV or in the movies and it was just funny without being filthy? Oh man, I love those. It's probably dangerous to even say his name anymore. But the early days of Bill Cosby... Noah and the Ark and Superman and, and uh, oh my gosh, you'd roll listening to that stuff. But there was never any filth. Nowadays, they can't even be funny without, without it being filthy. That's the only, they default to filth. That's the easy way out. You can always get a laugh if you say something filthy. I think they shame uh, comedy more than they, they actually show genuine comedic ability. And he says, don't even talk about it. It should not even be mentioned among you. And then he goes on in verse 4 and says, Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, or indecency, nor foolish and sinful and silly and corrupt talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. For be sure of this, that no person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thought or in life or in one who is covetous, 
who has lustful desires for the property of others and is greedy for gain, for he, in effect, is an idolater and has inheritance and ha- has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He basically says, if that's who you are, you have no place in the kingdom of God. But you know what's sad is that's becoming the norm within our society. It's becoming the standard within the way people talk and operate today. I was standing with several police officers one day and we were talking about difficult calls that we had gone on or difficult shifts we'd have. And one of them said something that just, I think I just stood there dumbfounded. He said, well, after a really tough shift, I usually just go home and watch porn for a while. First of all, I was shocked that he would say that. Just throw it out there. And there was no shame in it. Isn't there supposed to be shame in something like that? But there was no shame in it. And this is where we become as a society to the point where it's not shameful anymore. Somebody and I were talking about Gone with the Wind earlier, and I think it was Dell, and he was mentioned in that line, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a, you know, and how much of a controversy that that created during the time. It was a fight. Hollywood was in a fight because that was the first time that a, a cuss word was used in a movie. And it was a massive fight. Now I get on my phone and I look at Fox News and almost every single time there's one of those little stories in there about so-and-so star goes topless. Or so-and-so star bears it all. Where's the shame anymore? Why are they bragging about this stuff? This star comes out of the closet. Well, go back in the closet. I don't want to hear about it. I don't care. But we've lost shame As a society, as a people, we've lost the ability to be shamed by the sin in our lives. This is not something to brag about. But the Bible says, Cursed is he that calls good evil and evil good. That's where we are. It's become a standard. Let no one delude and deceive you, verse 6, with empty excuses or groundless arguments for these sins... For though these things, for through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. So do not associate or be shares with them. Sin, sexual sin, any other sin brings destruction in its wake. That's what it does. It brings destruction in its wake. It creates havoc. Sexual addiction is the fastest growing addiction in, the, in America today. It is, it is exploding exponentially. People that are addicted to pornography, people who are glorifying adultery or fornication, where it was once preached against in the church, now it's normal in the church. I think I mentioned a, a couple of months ago that uh, more and more and more churches are accepting uh, fornication, relationships uh, where people are, are in some kind of a sexual sin, but basically shacking up together. That used to be shameful, but now it's become normal. And it is shameful according to the Word of God. Adultery, fornication, these things are sin. And God says that they, it brings judgment. Job 31.6 says, Oh, let me be weighted and in just balance, and let him weigh me that God may know my integrity. If my step has turned out of God's way and my heart, listen to this line, if my heart has gone the way my eyes covetously invited. Hmm. And if any spot has stained my hands with guilt, 
you know what's amazing right there? Your eyes are sometimes your worst enemy. <laughs> Why do you think Hollywood works it so much? They want to show you what you shouldn't see. They want to bring that before you all the time. It becomes so so normal. It's normalized because it's constantly before our eyes anymore. And, and Job is saying one of the early, well, the earliest book in the Bible, written thousands and thousands of years ago, and it says, "My if my heart has gone the way my eyes have covetously, covetously invited." You know what happened to David? He saw a woman. <laughs> That's what happened to him. A man that was righteous, a man after God's own heart, a man that was leading the kingdom, a man that would be the, the pillar of, uh, uh, of God's people even to this day, a name that is, is revered among the Jews, and yet that great mighty man of God walked out on a balcony and he looked down and he saw a woman. And she was taking a bath. And you know what happened? His heart went after what his eyes covetously invited. It's never changed. It happened clear back in the Garden of Eden, and it has never changed. That desire to follow what the eyes are showing you. Show me, give it to me. That's what porn is, right? And it used to be a thing that you had to, you know, get the, the Playboy magazines that were, that were sent in, in uh, unmarked covers to your house and hid under the bed, and, and all your kids knew right where it was, but you thought they didn't. You know, that how, that's how it used to be, and nobody knew what was going on. Oh, you know, we all found our dad's stash of, uh, of Playboys back in the day. You know, we knew. He had it hidden, but he was sure we didn't know. But nowadays, you don't have to hide it. It's not hidden anywhere. You don't have to get magazines in the mail or anything like that. You click on the screen and boom, there it is. All you want, as much as you can get. You can spend your life in front of that stuff. And it's, and it's sapping the, the life out of people. Because the sin is so deeply destructive that people don't even understand how, what is going on. And Job goes on and says, Then let me sow and eat another uh, another eat. L- yes, let the produce of my field or my offspring be rooted out. He said, I hate this so bad that if I fall into it, God just take everything I got. Just take it away from me. If my heart has been deceived and I made a fool by a woman, or if I have covetously laid wait at my neighbor's door until his departing, then let my wife grind meal like a bond slave for another and let others bow down for her. Job was so repulsed by the idea of being unfaithful that he said, just take it all from me if I ever fall into that. It is so disgusting, just take it all away from me. And then he goes on in verse 11 and he says, For adultery is a heinous and chief crime and iniquity to demand action by the judges and punishment. For uncontrolled passion is a fire which consumes to Abaddon, to destruction, ruin, and the place of final torment. That fire once lighted would rage until all is consumed and it would burn to the root of my life's increase. That's how Job felt about it. And he's so very right. Once you start falling into that, it's like a fire that will consume your life. It'll eat you away. It'll eat away at your at your at your very being. Your very your very essence will be eaten away by that horrible sin. I remember when uh, 
Ted Bundy was interviewed and he talked about how he first found that Playboy magazine that belonged to his daddy and from there it started to grow inside of him and it grew and it grew and it grew until finally he became the man that he was that killed I don't even know if they've ever figured out how many women he actually killed when it all came down to it. It's a fire that'll grow and burn inside of a person. In Leviticus 20.10 it says, The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. What happens today? They're posted on the front of magazines and you can look at them in the supermarkets. It's wonderful. You walk there in there and you get ready to, to pay for your, your produce and bam, it's right there on the front pages of the magazines all about this very sin that has now been glorified within our society. It becomes cool. It's become, it's become cool to be sinful nowadays. It's become a cool thing to be sinful. Why is it so bad? Because it, under, it defies the, the, the uh, first and foremost sacred earthly institution that God put together. You say, well, that's the church. No, it's marriage. The most powerful institution that God ever ordained for this earth was a one man and one woman being joined together and becoming one in marriage. A powerful institution that has, that has molded our world for, for many, many, many generations. That's the beginning of man. And they hate it. The devil hates it. The world hates it. There are parts of, in, uh, in Canada I was reading about in certain areas where over 90% of the people are, that are living together are unmarried. It has become cool to not be married anymore. You don't want to go, why go through all that trouble? Why do that? My dad went and bought a ring. He put it on his girlfriend's hand, and he called himself, said basically we're married, but I'll never marry anybody again. Well, probably one sense is a good idea. He tried it three times and it never worked, but that doesn't mean that you live in sin because of it. And because... This has become so normalized. It is attacking the very institution that God put together. Clear back in the Garden of Eden, God created this institution of marriage. And it has formed the basis of strength for our nation from its founding and from the world all around us. This institution... when the, when the family is right, the nation is right. When the family is strong, the nation is strong. When the family is in disarray, the country is in disarray. And what are they trying to do? Well, let's do anything we can. Let's redefine what the family means. Let's redefine genders. Let's redefine sexes. Let's redefine everything we can redefine. Because the devil hates a godly marital institution. He hates it. He despises that. It creates illegitimacy in children. What are the damage, the destruction that is done to children because of infidelity, this ungodly sin. It creates such havoc for our children. Proverbs 5.17 says, Confine yourselves to your own wife. I love that. (laughs) Confine yourself to your own wife. Let your children be for you alone and not the children of strangers with you. God designed for you to raise your own kids. He did not design for somebody else to be raising your children. He put that on your shoulders 
to raise your own kids. That's the way he planned the whole thing out. It carries such a reproach. Proverbs 6.27 says, Let a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned. He said, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever touches her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he is found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. And he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get. And his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not... Regard any ransom, neither shall he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Basically, he says, a man who is, who is spurned because his wife is, is unfaithful or, or has a man move in on his wife will be a man of anger and you better watch out. And I, I can attest to that from my own experience when I was about seven years old. I was too young to understand what was going on. Dad had gone hunting outside of Estacada, Oregon, and my stepmom, uh, I was at home with her, and my little sister was there, and all of a sudden there was like five guys in the house and one of her friends, and they were all made up, dutied up, and looking sharp. And oddly enough, Dad got an elk early, and they came out of the woods. And Dad walked in the house, and there was five guys and his wife and another lady all dressed to the hilt. And that was one of the more interesting nights of my life. I still remember it very, very vividly. I had no idea my dad could fight like that. Man, did he put it on. There was guys flying out windows. There was guys flying out the front door. That little man did some work that day. That's what happens because of this sin. What a horrifying thing to think that you can't go out and hunt without your wife sleeping with somebody else. This is not the way God designed it to be. Oh, well, at least I've never committed adultery. Matthew 5, 27 says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in her, with her already in his house. Did he have to put that out there? Why did he have to make it so hard? But I say unto you, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This is what porn does. It takes a, a person, and I'm, I don't just say men. Men do the overwhelming majority of it, but women partaking of porn is skyrocketing. It's exploding, the amount of women involved in that. And it, it is becoming so normal and so natural anymore. And it's, it's a simple fact that God says what happens in here, what you do with your mind, what you do in your thought process is important. And when you allow your mind to go places that it should not go, it is as though you're doing the very action. Looketh, it says, a continue to look. It's a continuous look. It's not looking over and saying, oh, there's a gal. It's when you look and say, oh, wow, I really want that. That lust, that desire to have. Funny thing about folks, men or women, 
You can get one, you can, you, can, you can be unfaithful and you can snag that gal or that guy or whatever, and guess what happens? They get old. And all of a sudden, they don't look like they did when they were 25 anymore. They're not quite, they don't look quite the same anymore. They get old. And, and also, one of the things that always amazed me when I'm counseling couples and they talk about, yeah, I, uh, she left her husband and we got together and da-da-da-da-da, and, and then he's wondering why she left him for somebody else. Never made sense to me. If she's going to leave you, leave her husband to come to you, she will leave you to go somebody else. That's just how it works. It leads to other sins. Anybody ever watch 48-Hour Mysteries on TV? Have you ever noticed the underlying thing that is in almost every one of those murders? Because that's mostly what those all are, murders. Almost every time there was some kind of an adulterous relationship that was involved in that thing. You can see it. We were watching one one day, Deb and I were, and we, we kind of were talking. We said, you know, they haven't had any kind of an, of, a, of a, an affair in this one. That's kind of odd. Then it came out. There was an affair. It just took longer. They got to it. See, porn is exploding in the United States. And I, don't, I haven't found any new statistics, but the last statistics that were showed were between 2001 and 2004 pornography um, child pornography had grown 400 percent and anybody can get to it i knew a police chief in north carolina i had met with the guy several times very nice very cordial man got caught in his office in uniform coming on to a fbi agent that he thought was a 14 year old girl it happens all around us all the time, and it's horrifying. Between 1998 and 2003, porn sites on the Internet exploded 1,600% to 260 million sites. That was, what, 14 years ago? Can you imagine what it is now? In 2010, out of the million most popular, most trafficked, trafficked websites in the world, 42 1,337 were sex-related sites. You say, well, that's not a huge number. You've got to figure every business on earth is on the Internet. They're, they're perusing the Internet all the time. And, 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 and then there's uh, just regular Internet traffic. So when you think of that many of those sites uh, being, or that many uh, people partaking of that, trafficking in that at, at any given time, that's a huge percent of people that are alone doing their own thing without uh, without the eyes of anybody on them from july of 2009 to july of 2010 over 13 percent of web searches were for erotic con uh, content nearly all men and most women have viewed according to their research it is very very common uh, in 1979 it was a four billion dollar industry now it is close to a 800 billion dollar industry by some standards it is crazy uh, in 1988 on television there was one sexual scene for every 40 minutes of television viewing now there's one every minute of tel television viewing it has not it has not slowed down it has been relentless hollywood makes an average of 400 movies a year the porn industry makes 11,000 it is huge and growing. And Christians are not exempt from this, folks. You say, why are you, why are you preaching to the choir? We don't do that stuff. 
Studies say that 30% of pastors partake of pornography regularly. Pastors. It's not that we're exempt from this because we're saved. It is something that we battle with just like the world battles with. It is something that is in human nature that, that we struggle and we fight with. The Bible tells us that men are not to commit lust. It also tells us that women are not to flaunt. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Have you noticed that there's this weird mindset nowadays, and I haven't quite figured it out, where when you have a situation that arises, and if somebody says, well, she probably shouldn't have been dressed like that, they get attacked for saying that. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned enough to think she shouldn't have dressed like that. I'm not blaming her for the assault that was taking place. I'm saying there's a bit of complicity, uh, complicity when she's going to go out dressed in a way that she should not be dressed. Both sides, I think, have some blame in the matter. Uh, it says that she is to be sh- uh, dressed with sh- or present herself with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair and gold and pearls and costly array, which... Uh, become the women of professing godliness with good works. The Bible tells us that we are, our ladies are to be modest in what they do. Men are to be standards of uh, righteousness and holiness that people can follow. The men are to set that standard. They are to be the example. Timothy tells us, be that example. Be the example that the world looks to you. God calls the men to do that. He tells us to, to carry that banner. 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Cleanse ourselves. Ecclesiastes 10 8 says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. Whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. We have to take reasonable precautions in our life to keep from falling into this. Some people are not drawn to it as much as other people. But some people, it is so powerful that it can easily overtake them. Alcoholism is a great example. Some people can have a beer with their meal and it never really affects them. They can have wine with their meal, whatever, and it never affects them. You take somebody else and let them take a drink of alcohol and bam, they're, they're hooked. They, they got to abstain, they got to stay away from it, and if they touch it, they will get right back into it. And you, you know what? Next to... Uh, Next to alcohol, uh, sexual sin is probably one of the most destructive. I think those two destroy more people than anybody else. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. If you're not married to that lady, don't touch it. Stay away from what you should not be touching. Get away from it. It is a battle for our children because they watch it all around us. Our kids are seeing things that we never saw. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I've, I see these testimonies now and then of these teenage boys and girls, and the one thing that always comes out as they talk about how they're going to save themselves and tell marriage, that they're going, they want to be righteous, they want to be holy. One thing that always stands out is the fact that none of them say that it happened by accident. They didn't accidentally keep themselves pure. They didn't accidentally do the right thing. We have to fight and pray and seek God 
say, oh, it's God that does it all. No, we have to fight sin. We have to resist the devil. We have to fight sin. It says, cleanse yourself from all filthiness. Don't touch it. Get away from it. If you're addicted to it, run. If it's something that addicts you and holds you, run the other way. Get away from it. It's not worth it because it'll do nothing but destroy. It's happening all around us. But God, hold on, let me finish here. But God is calling His people to be a standard of righteousness. The world should look to us. The world should be able to look to the saints of God and say, that's an example of what being a a stalwart man or woman of God is. I want to follow what that person is doing. I want to follow what that person is showing me. There's too many people that say, well, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want any part of it. Well, we need to change that. We need to change it to the way people look at us and they say, if that's what a Christian is, that's exactly what I want to be. Could you stand with me and let's pray. Father, I just, I hold up to you this congregation because Lord, I'm, I'm not naive. I know that right in the midst of this body of believers, there are people that battle with this. We all do it. You would never have a group of people this big that there's not people battling with this very sin in their lives. Lord, it's all around us. We can't hardly avoid it. We can't get away from it. Father, I just pray, God, for everyone here. Lord, there will be ladies that will come on and flirt. There will be guys that go after the girls and flirt. God, I pray that you will will put a, a wall about us, that we will not fall into that temptation. When there's that desire in our flesh where our eyes try to lure us into Sin, God, I pray that you will help us to be as Job and said, I will not, I don't want my heart to follow that. I don't want my heart to follow what my eyes are showing me. God, help us to build hedges about us. Hedges of your word and hedges of of prayer and, and fasting and seeking your face, God. Let those hedges of protection be about us. I pray, Father, for these people, each one. As they leave here today, as they go, I pray that those words that were spoken by me, but I believe came from you, I pray that they'll work in their hearts, each and every one. Let their eyes be closed to the things of evil that would try to pop up before them. God, I pray, Father, that the anointing to to do more than what I could ever do will work through this feeble attempt today. God, let it speak to our lives. Let it speak to our hearts Lord, just protect and shield your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.